The Swamp Without a Still is just a tent, a martini without olives doesn't quite make it, and Mash Minute is intended for mature audiences. Put on your headphones, listen for the tone of your favorite podcast, Mash Minute. Well, it's a minute-by-minute detailed analysis of the movie without which the series wouldn't exist. Megan and Tierney, and guest will make three. Goddamn Army, Mash Minute. Welcome back to Mash Minute, the Movies by Minute podcast analyzing the movie Mash, not the TV show, although we do talk about it quite a bit. <laughs> I'm Tierney Steele. I'm Megan Coleman. And I'm Jarf, not the TV show Jarf, the movie Jarf. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much for joining us again, Jarf. I promise I will let you talk about your Movies by Minutes podcast. But first, I'm going to make you talk about Rene Abajois. Because Minute 53 begins with Mulcahy nervously trying to tell Hawkeye something about Painless. And it ends with Mulcahy talking sadly about absolution. Shrug. (laughs) Shrug. (laughs) Talking to himself. Mm Mm-hmm. So basically what happens in this minute is that Mulcahy tells Hawkeye there's something wrong with Painless that he told Mulcahy during confession and Mulcahy thinks Hawkeye should work on it. Yeah. So there's really a lot to unpack here, isn't there? There is a ton. I'm going to let you guys start. I think my kid lost his pacifier. He's like kicking his legs really sadly. That's what it really is. (laughs) I'll be (laughs) right right back. (laughs) So maybe we should start with, is it okay that he is sharing something that was shared in confession? Ooh, yeah, because that's supposed to stay, like, confidential, right? Right. Yeah. But thorny moral dilemma, right? Because he thinks that he, so he thinks that he is a, well, we don't, I don't know how much you like to play with the, we don't know what happens after this minute aspect of the show, but maybe since we're getting heavy with it, he he thinks that he's a danger to himself. Right, right. Which maybe is that like, you know, where the confidentiality sort of ends, right? Right. And you do see him struggling with it. Because he doesn't come right out and go, hey, so-and-so, you know. It's like the euphemism game in this minute, right? It's like, how many times can I beat around the bush? Oh, that was probably not the right terminology, but... It's, it was a very meta way to <laughs> yeah, discuss it, was a very it meta way. for sure. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. But he's, he's agonizing with the decision, so we can definitely say that. And so I was just curious about it as a writer and director's choice to include this bit in the movie. Is it, are they trying to skewer organized religion here, or is... Yes. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Tony's like, I'm back. And yes. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, so Jeff, I don't even a- need the context. It's an Altman movie. And you asked if they're trying to skewer organized religion. <laughs> well, and, and I'm doubtful, Jarf, that you've read the book, but. No, I have not a, read the book. Okay. So there's a book first and the book, if you, if you think the movie is uh, disrespectful and anti-authoritarian, you should try <laughs> the book because the book's even more it really harps more on the anti-establishment like organized religion is like for dummies kind of viewpoint i should read this book how are the two non-catholics doing in this conversation (laughs) we're doing great awesome wait am i one of the two oh i'm sorry are you catholic 
not anymore, but oh, uh, okay. That's but that was like my family. Oh, okay. I'm married to a lapsed Catholic. My dad's a lapsed Catholic. I'm Catholic by association. I don't <laughs> do so well with these things. I know. Tierney, you should go back to middle school, Megan, and you should tell all her friends that when they said I should go to CCD, when all they complained about how CCD sucked and it was on Sunday nights. And who wants to do that on Sunday night when there's good stuff on HBO to be watched? <laughs> and they would go, you should go. And I go, but I'm not Catholic. And they're like, but your dad's Catholic. So you were supposed to be raised Catholic. So it's like you're Catholic by association. So you should go to CCD. And I'm like, you're not exactly selling the Catholicism to me right now. So Yeah, that's yeah. maybe not the pitch they want to take. No, what drives me nuts is priests aren't like this after confession. <laughs> no, but Jeff brought up a good point about how much, because, you know, okay, he thinks he might be a danger to himself. Hmm. And does that cross that sort of moral line of, which is the lesser of two evils, I guess? Well, what drives me nuts is that priests cannot divulge, even if it is bad. But Mulcahy could have brought this up to Hawkeye without saying, I learned something during confession. All he had to say was, you know, I heard about this thing he said at the poker game and I'm worried about him, but I know he won't listen to me. Can you talk to him? Yeah, that's an excellent point. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, that would have been so... He has he has his secular example of why they are concerned, ready to go. Right. H- him saying that he learned about it in confession and then agonizing over whether to share it, that's really for the benefit of the audience. Because if he is thinking, oh, this really screws up the sanctity of confession for me to reveal it, then it's so much better for him to just not say that he heard about it that way. So he's still breaking the confidence, but then at least he isn't undermining the tradition. I totally get why it is written this way, because they want to, like you said, they want to show Mulcahy agonizing over what to do. It's supposed to be that he thinks of this on kind of the spur of the moment when Hawkeye is pushing him. Uh, Oh, by the way, we have a return of Singin' Sutherland. Can you give me a hint? (laughs) Like, I just love the way he delivers that line. <laughs> I forget. Has Singin' Sutherland come up yet, Sharp? No, he has. Oh, have you heard? You mean yet in the movie or you talking or, about yeah, it yet as, in the podcast? Having having uh, crowned him as Singin' Sutherland. No, I don't think so. Gonna get real good once Trapper shows up. But the way he says, can you give me a hint is... Just reminded me of that. I always picture the um, Sinatra Looney Tunes, where it's like the singing microphone. Oh, the singing sword. I love that. (laughs) The singing sword. The singing sword. I always picture it that, but with Hawkeye's hat on. (laughs) And glasses. (laughs) I love that so much. (laughs) So yes, that's what I want. And this is a good minute for Sutherland, which is great because it's very clear that he's not sure what, like, he and Tom Skerritt both make a lot of work out of their little bit of busy work. Earlier in the movie, Tom Skerritt made coffee while Blake and Hawkeye talked, and I called it out as like, well, look at him keeping busy with the set. (laughs) And this is like, oh, say hi to the dog, because it went, but nope, I'm going to give it a belly rub. This is going to be a whole thing. (laughs) Yeah, give him a bit of business, and he will keep himself occupied throughout the scene. But I love his face. When he's reacting to the poker only a game thing, he just, he looks so (laughs) aghast. Yeah, doesn't he whistle? Yeah, we have another communication via R2-D2 here. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So I don't know 
if you have now paid enough attention to him that you can start to interpret it. But if you were to put words to that whistle, what would they be? Because hmm. hmm. it kind of goes down. I think it's going to be like, oh, damn. It's something along the, those lines, like, well, now that is serious. Yeah. Well, like, that's interesting. Hmm. Yeah. But with a sad twist to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the whole, I better go see a man about a tooth. Mm, I love that so much. <laughs> he is good. And I think setting him up as, I said yes, or I said a couple days ago now, we needed hero Hawkeye in the surgery. And this, did we need that for this storyline? Did the story need to show Hawkeye as God in his element in surgery so that we could understand why Hawkeye is up on this pedestal for the camp? Why Mulcahy would come to him with this situation? Why he is considered the person who could handle this? I don't think so. Because I think you can be a hotshot surgeon and not be a moral leader of the camp. Well, Trapper's a hotshot surgeon and he didn't go get Trapper. Right. So exactly. It's if you use baseball as the example, it's the difference between your key player and the one who is considered a leader in the clubhouse. So Hawkeye's really both. And so I think this is the twin pillar of how he's a god. So it's not just what he does in surgery, it's the way he supports the rest of the camp. When I was seeing this for the first time, I didn't expect it to go in in the weird, ridiculous way that it went. I think because I was more versed in the TV show, and I imagine if this scenario was in the TV show, you would have someone who was depressed, but not for a ridiculous reason, Right. Yeah. And then they would do shenanigans to get them to work through their depression. But so I don't it may be curious if you consider the TV show to be a watered down version of MASH or if you appreciate it just in a different way. What did that sound okay as I was saying it because I knocked over my microphone and then I was trying to refix it. It's definitely hearable, but you can still hear you talking. Okay. I'll let it go. If it was the person not talking, I would just mute their line for that section and make a note to remember to do that. But I I think we'll be okay. I think, I mean, I love the TV show. God, I, I think it's an show. excellent television show. I just think you're not going to do in 20 minutes, 22 minutes what you do in an hour and si- or 116. Right. I mean, even though everyone talks about the movie being built into these little vignettes, I really like what you were saying. And it makes me kind of sad that we don't get Trapper is the hotshot surgeon who's also kind of a jerk to people. <laughs> I mean, not just in general. No, no, yeah, no, he just no, doesn't have that. Hawkeye is a very talented, good surgeon who is the team captain, the player manager, whatever. And then you could contrast that with Burns, who isn't even good and is the hated one who's always causing trouble. And Duke, who's a perfectly competent player, but you know is never really, never going to make the all-star team. And But he's okay with that. He's finding his own role. And the, like, the elevation of Hawkeye at the expense of Trapper is bothering more me more than more I think about this. That was too hmm. many mores, but I think my point still stands. If you want to say even one more more, we won't 
Complain. Mandy Moore, which is great <laughs> as Lieutenant Dish in the remake of this movie. Oh my god, that's actually right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so they, there's an episode of MASH Matters, which is the Jeff Maxwell who played Igor on the TV show's podcast that he does about MASH. And they were talking about if they were going to do a MASH remake, who should be which parts. And mm-hmm. it was a really interesting conversation. Megan, you and I have recast MASH several times, but I think this we we're is always true. thinking of the TV show. But we're always thinking of the TV show. And actually, they were too, for obvious reasons. Because didn't they recently sort of, quote unquote, redo, uh, what was that? Like the Jeffersons and what was the show with Archie Bunker? Bunk- oh! All oh, in the family. Right. Uh, the family. Yeah, I know was, what you're talking about. And so they were talking they about- some, like, reunion thing. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was bizarre, yo. But- uh, <laughs> I haven't watched it yet. I have it on my DVR, but I know Mm -hmm. friend of the show Tabitha was a big fan of it. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't a big fan of either show, so I guess part of it was sort of like, this is weird. Like, why'd you take an old script and basically put new people and just sort of read the script? Or give your take on the script, I guess. But um, but, they but were you also about... recognize you weren't their target audience. Like this is true. I they didn't was not... plan on bringing in new viewers with it. Well, that was part of the discussion. Was why would you do this? But in the first yeah. place. But they're talking about, you know, would it even work for MASH to redo a TV show or a movie? And then who would you get? Because it's funny. Did I, they I say love Mandy, Mandy Moore? Moore, but they I don't not see her as Houlihan. I can't see her as Houlihan. Not even on the TV show in the later episodes, but I could see her as Dish. That's true. Hmm. All right. Or have we just seen too much This Is Us and just... <laughs> I don't care. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Actually, I want to put in a plug here for Mm -hmm. the MASH Minute listeners post-ep ward Mm -hmm. because it's a really fun Facebook group. And I think that would be a great place. Listeners, if you have any fan casts for the movie MASH, go ahead and join the Facebook group and share them there. Yeah, I'll share a photo. I have a photo of the cast we did, Megan, because I'm always oh, like, yeah. I should just delete this. And then I'm like, no, it's not anywhere else. I don't even remember who we said for half of them. So that would be interesting to see. All right. Do you want to know it now or do you want me to wait and just share it online? Uh, up to you. I, I vote share it online. Okay. Okay. I like suspense and a reveal. I will say for one thing, because we were thinking of the show, so the only female is Hot Lips Houlihan, and we voted Margot Robbie. Oh, that's right. Mm, yep. So that's just a little taste. Co-signed. Nick Kroll is somewhere on this list. Oh, that's... Oh, You'll have that, to look online oh, to it, see where... <laughs> oh, it's, co- it's kind of coming back. <laughs> so yeah. my last note for minute 53 of mash is that i love that hawkeye pets mulcahy when he gets up yes i noticed that too it's just that little thing that like i guess i'd always noticed watching the movie but watching it one minute at a time and seeing all his stuff with the dog and then he gets up and he's like bye pup pup but then he pets mulcahy's head i love that <laughs> All right. So this is our shortest minute. What's going on here? How is that possible? Well, we've already talked about Rene Abajois. I think I figured out my trick is to just say it as quickly as possible and move on with my life. <laughs> it's Rene Aubergeois. Rene Aubergeois. Aubergeois. I remember doing the society because I remember like, oh, bear. 
<laughs> Silly old bear. Oh no, sorry. I that was that was me laughing at who he said for Father Mulcahy. <laughs> Father Mulcahy is Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Jar, if you can I, know, I like I'll that... just cut it out. <laughs> oh my god, who is, is who is our so... father Mulcahy? It was oh Jim Gaffigan. Gaffigan. <laughs> Wait, who was that? Jim Gaffigan, the comedian from the Midwest. He did have a TV show, but I, I don't, don't think it did that well. He did. It he... wasn't on a regular network. Oh, that's maybe why. He's in a lot of car commercials now because him and his wife have, like, what, five children in a New York City they apartment, do. which is, like, insanity to me, but, um... Oh, yeah. I know this dude. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would be funny. He did one of my favorite jokes ever, and it involved the Pope. So it's very appropriate. <gasps> oh, that's right, because he didn't even When he was talking about, do you think people, do you think they, when they were little kids, they dreamed about being Pope one day? You know, out in their backyards, like how little kids do about baseball players, but instead it's, ah, and the crowd goes wild. <laughs> Here he is, the greatest pope ever. Ah, he's smiting the infidels. Ah, like, <laughs> it was amazing. I don't know if we can cut this out now. It's too good. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like he met the pope, though, Tyranny. I feel like, I think he did. Possibly? I think there was like, he, I don't know why I'm thinking this, but I think. If he went to Rome, he could no, have petitioned to No, the within Pope. the U.S. I follow him on some social media yeah. thing. And he had a thing where he was doing, gosh, I'm so not awake today. Um, He, <laughs> he was doing this thing where he did this thing. No, I remember seeing on like his <laughs> Instagram where like he performed, like the Pope came, didn't the Pope come, the, the latest Pope, let me clarify here, mm. uh, came to America and did like the little like. Hey, American Catholics, what's up? Tour. And he... <laughs> I believe that's what it was called. <laughs> and, and I think they did some kind... He was at some kind of benefit and the Pope was there. Or, you know, and, and he was like fangirling, for lack of a better word. But also was like, like, okay, I'm performing at the Pope's here and I gotta keep it clean. <laughs> you know? Are you talking about the 2016 most recent visit? I want to say it must have been. Okay. I feel like it had to have been. Right, because I can't remember. If you saw a reference to it on social media. Yes. <laughs> that does give us a time limit. <laughs> yeah. And and the name of the tour, Hey American Catholics, What's Up? That sounds 2016 <laughs> to me. It, it, yeah, it's just definitely. straightforward. I think the previous visit, the early 2000 oh! visit, that was just, What's up, Catholics? Okay, okay, here it is. I found it. Mm. I found it. 2015. He was at the Festival of Fam- Families in Philadelphia, and he warmed up the audience for Pope Francis. Oh, was that 2015? It was 2015. He did 16 minutes of stand-up comedy to warm up the... <laughs> Can you imagine sitting backstage and waiting to go on to warm up the audience before the Pope speaks? You just have to think, what, how did my life arrive at this moment? God, what do you even do to warm up the crowd for the Pope? Um, it, oh, it's you, literally you a, a nightmare scenario. You want a quote here? He jokingly said, quote, technically this is Christmas and I have canceled church tomorrow. He then asked the audience, do me a favor in the audience. I know when I'm done, you're going to be tempted to leave, but stick around. We got some amazing people coming up. There's this guy coming up, 78 years old, used to be a bounce of a dance club. He's going to talk for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Not how I would introduce things, but, uh, you know. 
Oh, Ellie, you want to know what's even more awkward, Charity? Pope Francis sat center stage for the main event, emceed by actor and former funky punch leader Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> what? And Wahlberg got in a few self-deprecating jabs about starring in movies such as Ted and still getting to stand in front of the Pope. That's not what Mark Wahlberg should be apologizing to the Pope for, but... I think anyway. of other movies that were a lot more um, graphic than no, Ted. No, I just... <laughs> I have a problem with the fact that I don't think Mark Wahlberg has ever apologized for his criminal past. And I don't believe he has. I don't I don't even really begrudge him his criminal past because people are stupid kids and I get I get that, but like the fact that he just seemed to scoop right past that in his personal autobiography in his head does bother me. It's like, you should be making amends, dude. Well, yeah. But he's with What's-Her-Face, who's kind of crazy, so, you know. Oh, so. I don't know who he's with. I don't um, keep up Jenny on Jenny McCarthy? Oh! 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 I think there's still a, a thing. F this celebrity couple. Everyone <laughs> yeah, vaccinate your kids. <laughs> I'm out! For real. <laughs> oh, my God. I think she's still with him. Last I knew. Yes, they've been married since 2014, so... Mmm... Yeah, my kid just started swim lessons, and there's another kid at the pool who wears a t-shirt that says fully vaccinated, and the second he gets out of the pool every day, he a- or every week, he asks his dad, do we have snacks? And so he's my hero, and I would kind of like to be his friend. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I think we could hang. <laughs> I, too, believe there should always be snacks after a swim lesson. There really should be. Like, you, you worked hard. Like, now it's snack time. That's how my kid rolls. She's like, I did yeah. something awesome. It's snacks now, right? I want snacks. <laughs> Where are the snacks, parents? The snacks are inside the swamp. Hawkeye's not going to get any more. He's headed off on a mission. To see a man about a tooth. So he's doing a riff there on the expression, see a man about a horse. And I was curious if either of you know the origin of that expression. I thought you were going to tie it into Goodwill Hunting. So let's go with no. <laughs> so Yeah, I don't either. See a man about a horse. It's one of those things that I hear the expression and I say, okay, I get generally what you mean, but I never knew specifically what it was referring to. So I, I just found these are the kind of geeky things that I like to research. It means... This is what Movies by Minutes podcasts are for, dude. That, that's what <laughs> this podcast is, yes. So it means to politely excuse yourself from a situation to go to the restroom or to buy a drink. So it originated from people disappearing to go bet on horse or dog races. So sometimes it's the amount about a horse, sometimes it's a man about a dog. There's an early appearance in 1866 in the play The Flying Scud, where the character says, Excuse me, Mr. Quail, I can't stop. I've got to see a man about a dog. So there you go. You learned something. Gotcha. Where's the minute by minute, plays by minute of that? (laughs) Flying Scud Minute. Flying Scud is a great title. Right? Jarf, I have let you plug many random podcasts, Madam Secretary, and now a play from the 1860s. Would you like to plug podcasts that you've actually made? Sure. So I got my start in podcasting by reconnecting with my 
close friend from college with whom I did a radio show all throughout college. And it's primarily him, but we were creative partners. He's really been the driver and he's been the host of every episode. It's called the Cosmic Geppetto Podcast. And that's how... That's how Tyranny and I met as well uh, through collaborating with that. And it started out, honestly, it was just going to be Brad and I, a couple other people that he knew through college and after, but a really small group, no more than four people and only talking about movies from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it only took us about three episodes to realize that that format was too constraining. So now it's just become a geek culture variety podcast, long format conversations, and with a focus on positive, inclusive geek culture. So it's been a lot of fun. I've met a lot of really cool people at present company, of course, included through (laughs) it. And, And it comes out pretty much weekly. And Brad's gotten the chance to talk to some great creators, Walter Simonson, who was an influential artist on Thor, musicians, authors, and then just other fellow podcasters and geeky culture fans. So yeah, definitely check that out. The Cosmic Geppetto podcast and on social at Cosmic G pod. I wonder if he'll interview us about our fairy tale movie podcast. I don't think we can argue that Tom Hanks is in the MCU though, Hmm. but it's okay because you guys expanded. (laughs) It's true. We expanded, but I bet I can come up with a connection. That was great. I, he asked, he was looking for women to do a panel about when the Wonder Woman trailer dropped. And then I just kept showing up again. (laughs) 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 Sorry, Brad. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. <laughs> so yeah, that's online. If you go to onesteelsister.com on my guest appearances page, there's a link to the episodes of Cosmic Geppetto podcast that I've been on. And on the main podcast page, you will find links to all the podcasts that I have co-hosted, including mashminute.com, where our episodes post and there are screen caps for each one. You can listen to it through there. You can listen to it through your podcatcher. Is that the term now? Do we just say podcatcher? Did they diversify so much? Because you can't just say Apple Podcasts anymore. I put... Whatever you're using to listen to this, keep doing it. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. (laughs) It works. They figured out a way to listen to this podcast, so I think they can figure out a way to listen to the others. Excellent. The Cosmic Geppetto podcast is great because, like you said, it's just such a variety of people, and it's a really positive environment, which is nice. This is a movie that is not as open-minded (laughs) yes we will see that in a couple of minutes yeah yeah it's it's not all bad i think we've found a lot to talk about over the yeah but come back tomorrow and let's see where this is going with captain wadalski yes come back tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) please (laughs) 